It was now about noon, and the darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching these things. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. God did not die on Good Friday. That is a third century heresy, in fact. God did not die on Good Friday. If God died, the entire universe would seek to exist as if sucked into the black hole we have, out, we have all now had a chance to see with our own eyes. God did not die on Good Friday. But so many of the things that we think God is supposed to be, they died. Jesus took on all of that sin, the sin of creating God for ourselves, of ourselves, because the true God wasn't quite enough and all of that died with his body. When Jesus arrives with his ministry in tow, a baton handed to him by Moses and Elijah, he comes with a variety of expectations. The Messiah was meant to be that leader, probably a military mind, that would lead the people of God into a new era of power and glory. They knew what God was supposed to be. They wanted a God, they had created in their mind's eye a God that punished and Jesus spent all of his time healing. They wanted a God that would separate them from the bad people, that would show the bad people just how wrong they were. And Jesus 
chose to be about discourse over discord. They were making a God in their image, a tribal image, one that left out the different, but Jesus had a beloved community in mind. They wanted a God that would satisfy and magnify the ego. And just last night, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He was not the kind of God that they had created. He was the creator God. And so they crucified him. And we mourn that. But as we do, we still keep creating gods. I was in South Africa on a church partnership trip about a decade ago, and our team welcomed our team was welcomed into a woman's home for dinner. She was a pillar of the church, one of the mamas, as they call them. And she had prepared chicken for us and her other invited guests from the church. On our way in, I walked through chicken feathers strewn about the lawn. Dinner would be fresh. In South Africa, when news gets around that a big meal might be served, the entire community shows up. Many more than were originally invited squeezed through the door. So there was not enough place for everyone to sit. I gladly parked myself on the kitchen floor between a few children and wondered if there would be enough food. These children were hungry. As everyone settled in, I noticed that the pastor of the church, about my age today, took the seat at the head of the table. An honorary post, I assumed, one that the host would expect him to take, otherwise she might be insulted. It didn't bother me. Something did bother me, though. It was when they brought the chicken. Picture it. The community of Jesus, white and black, young and older, from near and far, pressed in together on chairs, sills, and tiles. The host, the mama, saunters in with the first platter of chicken, the warmest batch, and goes straight to the pastor. He does not defer to the elderly or to the children or to the guests. He peers over the platter and finds the best piece, 
the richest piece, and he puts it on his plate. She doesn't move. He sweeps his eyes over the chicken again and takes the second best piece and puts it on his plate. And then he begins to eat. It takes another 20 minutes for everyone to be served, and while we wait, we watch. We watch him eat and suck on the bones and then drop them in a bowl to be taken away. A complicated moment, to be sure. Complicated in so many ways. But one that illustrates what we think God is supposed to do for us. One that puts us at the head of the table. One that ignites jealousy. One that creates division. Any God that we have created, creating gods is our best sin. Any God that we have created that leaves children hungry while we eat, that God needs to die. Just like any God that we have created that makes us more important than the poor, more entitled than the person who looks or speaks differently than we do, more enlightened than the Christian that goes to another kind of church. All those gods need to die. We have tried, like they did in the first century, to impose upon Jesus the expectation of some kind of tangible victory over foes. That we, we know are wrong, or less than, or other. We just know it. But Jesus was not here to help us win. He was here to help us love. He was here then and is here even now to receive in himself the dried up, pointless bones of the gods we are creating and take them away. That our hearts might be broken open in a soulful and humbling love for the world. These bones, the ones of the gods we create for the survival of our ego, they are our sins. And he bears them in his body on the cross that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good.
I recently read a quote, a self-help quote, that encouraged, die to who you thought you were, rise to who you are. My prayer is similar today. My honest prayer to God on behalf of all of us is that God might die to who we think God is and rise to who God actually is. If that is what today promises, well then, undoubtedly, Good Friday is very good.